show. I am Josh Elliott Wolf. No Bic Nazar today as Satyar Shah is out on Canuck Central. So Bic Nazar is filling in for Sat on Central. That will start at four. But Dom is here with me. Dom Nick Shermati, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I could be doing better after the result earlier. We'll talk about that. It should be called the producer show today, by the way. Two producers, Ben, also here. Producer Ben Bassern. Hey, guys. I'm great. Good. And intern Angelina, also here. It's a full house. It is a full house. It is a full house. Uh, Not a full house in Qatar. Yeah, a lot of empty seats. A lot of empty seats. A lot of, like, I don't know, a lot of fake fans, I think. No, very clearly fake fans. (laughs) Not Okay, not fake fans, paid actors. Yeah. I mean, it's a great gig, though. Yeah, yeah. If you were just there, get watching that great match, go to a match, scintillating. Yeah, scintillating. That's a soccer term. Uh, We'll start with. (laughs) I've never heard it in another sport other than soccer. Dom just cracked the mic. Yes. Have you ever heard that one before? No, I have not. We were throwing that one around. We were talking about this pre-show. Dom. Dom brought up a broadcasting term. Cracked the mic. Had never heard it before. Anyway, let's get back on track. So we are coming to you live from the Kintec studio, Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. It is the People Show. Again, I'm Josh Elliott Wolf alongside Dominic Shramati. So we will start with the match today. A 1-0 defeat for the Canadians in Qatar in their first World Cup match against Belgium. But in spite of all of that, in spite of losing, it was a really, really good effort. Not in the way that it's like, hey, they were there and that was really fun. No, they dominated. They dominated. Expected goals, 2.83 for Canada, 0.86 for Belgium. I love that we're doing that now for soccer. Expected goals. (laughs) I saw it, and I was like, yes, that's a stat I know. I will go with that one. Riccio's been running up and down the halls and in the producer's uh, area or the prep lounge. Like, they're expected goals this. They're expected goals that. I think they, through the first match for any team, they have the third or fourth highest. Mm-hmm. Didn't matter. They could not finish. But yeah, Davies couldn't finish a PK. That was so frustrating. Yeah, so... Davies, do you think Davies should have been taking the PK? No, absolutely not. Jonathan David leads, uh, is among the league, uh, not league leaders, scoring leaders across all of European football. He's your striker. He's your penalty kick taker on Team Canada. And I understand Davies is the star, but in that moment, you got to give it to David. I know what Davies was doing on the PK too. Like I get when you're in that position, all you're trying to do is pick a side and slot it. But he just he telegraphed it so. It easily. looked like the the keeper jumped to the spot before yeah. he had even kicked. Yeah, like it was. Everyone knew where Davies was kicking that ball. That's the problem. I will say, and, and again, I'm I wouldn't say I'm a, a soccer expert by any means, but at the time I was like, oh, Davies is taking the kick. He's good at soccer. <laughs> this is this is probably going to work out. And uh, and then after I saw the reaction on Twitter and. I, I agree David probably should have taken it, but I also think David throughout the match looked looked like one yippee. of the guys that was like, oh man, this is the World Cup yeah, and this is a yippee. big moment. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So I, I don't know. Maybe he would have been a bit better. I'm a big fan of when when they're taking a penalty kick, when they just run up and just blast it. I don't care if you miss. <laughs> Phrasing. 
But like you know, I want you to try to pick a corner and just, and just kick, hit it as hard, kick as, it as, hard as you can. If you miss, that's fine. You give it a good go. Blow of, it by the goaltender. A lot of guys are good at that, Josh. Yeah. Well, Davies is not one of them. What hurts m- most about today's result is that Croatia and Morocco tied uh, in the first match of the day. Uh, a nil-nil draw between Croatia and Morocco, which means Canada now sits fourth in the group and will now definitely 100% need a result from both their match against Croatia and Morocco. So they will probably have to win both is what you're saying? Or at least no, win you, one you and need, then draw the other. You have to, without a doubt, draw Croatia or win against Croatia. And then I'm guessing you're going to have to beat Morocco. A draw is not going to be enough. Yeah. Because, so, tiebreaker is, is goal differential. Yeah. Correct? So, yeah, that would be tough. That would be tough. I have a, there's a few other stats before we move on that I wanted to pass your way. That Jason Bruff from The Morning Show, Halford and Bruff, tweeted out. Uh, this one, Canada is the first team since 1978 to attempt 20-plus shots and a penalty kick and not score at a World Cup game. How Canada is that? <laughs> that's, that's tough. Canada's expected goals against Belgium is the highest expected goals total to be shut out this tournament. That's It's still early. That's fine. And Canada is the first team to attempt at least 14 shots in the first half, but not score a goal and trail at halftime in a World Cup match since 1986. The positive to take out of this, I'm not about moral victories. I tweeted it out afterwards. I thought this was an opportunity lost. You really could have had a draw against Belgium, number two in the world. And how great would that have been? Also, you could have had the first goal for Canada in World Cup history on a PK. But regardless, uh, House of Positivity, uh, taking a positive look at this, they outplayed Belgium. They looked really strong. They look like they belong at the World Cup, not like Costa Rica did against Spain, losing 7-0. That was tough. If you're someone cheering for Canada, you can confidently go into Sunday's match against Croatia thinking, we have a chance to win. Yeah. That, and and that's, that's huge. My thing as like, again, not a big soccer guy, but I was like, man, Canada might just get demolished here. And then and they it didn't, didn't happen. They, they looked really good. We got uh, text in 650-650, Dunbar Lumber text line. The smart alternative is at Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Sean from North Van, absolutely proud of our boys. Amazing game. This is also a good experience for the team with, with a lack of international experience. As for the penalty kick, I would go with our superstar as well. That is the future of the team. Uh, yeah, I, and I also don't know the process behind it. Like, did Did they have a guy in mind that they were like, hey, if a kick comes up, it's usually David. Yeah. But from what I was hearing is that it seemed like Davies picked up the ball and he's like, hey, I'm yeah. going to take this. So I don't know. Maybe. I mean, maybe. hey, you want to see a guy with confidence. No question about it. Absolutely. It just sucks that it ended the way it did. For sure. And speaking of confidence, the Canucks in oh, Colorado tonight. That wasn't really a good transition. It's fine. I, I put in an effort. Ben, what do you think? Rated out of 10. Like a two. Yeah, no, it was tough. The anyway, effort was two? No, the effort was definitely like an eight and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the transition itself. But I didn't the even result transition was a, It's like Canada anything. soccer game today. The effort was there, but the result wasn't. <laughs> there was no Very finish. Good, There's a transition. Very yeah, good, Ben. That was good. Well, we'll come off that. So Canucks <laughs> in Colorado tonight. They are taking on the Avalanche. Defending um, Stanley Cup champions, by the way. Defending Stanley Cup champions no without 
their captain, Gabriel Landeskog, in the lineup without Bowen Byram in the lineup, former Vancouver Giants, and without Valerie Nashushkin, who was off to a really good start this year. He is still out, but it looks like they will be getting Sam Girard back in, so they are getting some reinforcements. Uh, based on the morning skate for the Canucks, looks like Spencer Martin will be getting the start against the team that drafted him. Revenge game for Spencer Martin. And uh, Kyle Burroughs playing against his former team. Looks like he will be back in the lineup as well. In place of Riley Stillman, everyone's favorite player, Kyle Burroughs will not. be back. Yeah, he would. Not. Not, not everyone's favorite player. Um, but I, I'm excited to see how that goes because... Really? Well, ex- as excited as I can be about a third pairing switch because it's a it's a third pairing switch, so whatever. But I'm I'm just... I'm excited to see Stillman out of the lineup, essentially. That's where my bar is at. Burroughs, I think, has been a good spark plug guy, and maybe he'll he'll bring a little bit of energy. I'm I'm trying to find the positives here. I don't know how you feel, Josh, but what would get me excited is to see like three or four games where Burroughs gets a run of play and doesn't have to worry about getting pulled out of the lineup. It's- it is ridiculous that a guy who plays that hard for this team constantly gets stuck in the press box. Yeah, that's true. And I will say most of it has been because like Stillman's injured or another guy's injured. This time it's actually because Stillman has been bad, so they're going to put Burroughs in. And he's probably going to be playing with Tyler Myers. Uh, s- small sample size, 26 minutes, 5 on 5, Burroughs with Myers. According to Natural Statric, their high danger chances for percentage is just over 60%, which is really good. Stillman with Tyler Myers, which we have seen quite a bit lately, 28% in favor of the Canucks. So that that is not really good. And yet they continually went back to Stillman over and over and over again. Un, un, uh, like it didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Still doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I will say it when I was looking at these numbers as well. The three lowest pairs for Canucks in, in terms of high danger chances for all included Riley Stillman. It was like Riley Stillman and Ethan Bear, Riley Stillman and Luke Shen, and then Riley Stillman and Tyler. So what Myers. does that tell you? Stillman is probably not very good. Exactly. Right? <laughs> like, and I, I don't and yet think they kept going back to him. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the thing you've questioned about Boudreaux, and I think there's been a lot of questioning his lineup decisions and deployment, as much as like. He seems like a good coach, but this is this is kind of why he also obviously there's the start and there's a lot of off ice things, but it's hard to defend Boudreaux at times when you're like, hey, this guy seems really great, he's awesome in the media, but also he keeps making decisions that don't make sense. And Riley Stillman for the last however many games has not made sense. Even if like when they put Rathbone in, Jack Rathbone for a couple games, I was like, ooh, this guy seems a little outmatched and that that's fine but then you go back to Kyle Burroughs because he's looked good this year and I don't know that that's where I've been questioning Boudreaux the most is on his defensive decisions and and kind of how's how he's deploying his lineup what do you think of Martin getting the start I think it's fine I mean like Demko I wouldn't put the loss on him last game but also like he's been yippy yeah he's been yippy he had one good game the game against the Kings against the Kings and that, that was great. And it seemed like, hey, maybe Demko's back. And then he had another Demko this year performance against the Golden Knights. 
And so I like, I think it's good for him to get extra time with Ian Clark and try to work out these kinks. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like Martin's obviously not been amazing this year, but he's at least getting results. You want my analogy? Sure. Are you ready for this? I'm ready for an analogy. Uh, Martin and Demko are like Zach Wilson and Mike White. You ready for this? So Neither are good. So hold on. Well, yes. Hold on. Zach Wilson is Thatcher Demko in that he has a lot of potential to be good, and yet this year has been consistently – Hold on, hold on. Okay. Let me finish. Let okay. me finish. Has been consistently yippy and hasn't produced. Doesn't have that dog in him. Doesn't have that I, dog like in him. Like we thought he might. Exactly. Sure. That he's shown in previous uh, appearances. And Mike White is Spencer Martin – Actually, Spencer Martin could be both Joe Flacco and Mike White. Wow. In that good for him. They are not also good. However, when they have been in the game, they have produced wins. Yeah. Despite despite their poor play. Yeah, I guess that's fine. And, I, I don't. I would say. And, okay. And so continue. If anything, as you just said, it is a good opportunity for both Thatcher Demko and Zach Wilson to watch from the sidelines and just reset. Is Thatcher Demko trashing his team as well? No, that's the big difference. (laughs) That's That's the the big big difference. difference. Thatcher Demko's like, hey, I've been kind of bad. Zach Wilson's like, you know what? I did everything I could out there. Two point whatever inches per play. He owned it today, by the way. Well, he came back. His coaches were probably like, hey, man, you better go say some good things right now. Or else. (laughs) Or else. But no, seriously, I do think it's good for Martin to start tonight. I think Demko really needs to take some time and find his game again. It's one of those things where playing through it might not be the answer, and I don't think it is the answer. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not a goalie coach, obviously, by any means, but like I had, you know, we've all been through it where we're yippy, we're playing something, we're yippy. You just need time. You need time to step away, think about it, come back. That, that word is so triggering for a golfer. Yippee. Oh, yeah. Oh. But it's true, right? Wow. Ben Basserin over there, like, oh, my God. Actually, Ben. I think it's the offseason. Thomas almost said it like seven times so far, and I'm still shivering. <laughs> As time. a golfer, when you have the yips, what's what's the prescription? You have to change something. Yeah, exactly. Change your grip. But change you don't your just, practice routine. You don't just keep playing, right? You have to change something. No, because something. that's the definition of insanity. Yeah. It's doing I will, the same thing over and over again. I will say with Demko, I think the time for him taking time off has already happened. Like Spencer Martin kind of had like a couple games in a row. And I I thought by now that he would have had enough games off that he would have been able to work on all, all his issues in practice and maybe start to turn a corner. And maybe that Kings game is a sign of him doing it. But I will say even in that game, he, he, they won and he didn't allow a lot of goals, but he still but looked the golden iffy. Knights game. Exactly. And that, it that's looks the so thing. shaky, but I don't, I think you just have to play him. That's where I'm at. Because before I I would have said, yeah, hey, let him sit a couple games. But they did that. And it didn't really change anything. So now, I I don't know what the the solution is. I'm sure uh, Dan Riccio and Vic Nazar are going to talk to Kevin Woodley about that later on Canuck Central. He's on at 4.30. Um, It's it's so weird. It, It feels a lot like the start to the year Pedersen had last year where you're like, hey, we know this guy is much better than he's showing. I think that's different, though. Well, Pedersen was clearly no, because Pedersen was dealing with an injury. He was, something was lingering. 
I think Dem- Demko has Dem- a slight Dem- injury that is defense in front of you him. You think? Well, okay. <laughs> He's yeah. giving up grade A opportunities all the That's his injury. I will say he also is coming off of surgery, and it's been downplayed or whatever. Whatever happened over the summer that Demko had is but I do think it, it might be affecting him to an extent. And he also, looks, th- to Ben's point, the defense sucks. He doesn't look confident. No. Like, when you watch, he But how are you supposed to be confident, Dom, when that's the lineup in, out in front of you? No, fair. Because but he had like, the same lineup. He, he, uh, worst lineup, in my opinion, last year in front of him. And he was unbelievable. I wouldn't say the defense was. I don't I would know say last year the defense was better. When OEL wasn't, like, a shadow of his former I self. Guess. OEL was almost invisible. On Monday night against Vegas. That's fair. And most nights this year, OEL has just been rough. And now he's got Riley Stillman just... Ethan Bear couldn't take a pass. Made multiple mistakes. It, it was like very... It must be very frustrating for Demko because he made some really good saves. And there's still five goals behind him. But I will I will say this. Last year, you weren't getting four, girl, four girls. Four goals oh, per game. Whoa. Little the, the, we, we don't know Ben's. Yeah, no. De- Demko wasn't getting four goals per game like he was last year. He's got run support this year. At sure. the very least. That's fair. I understand he doesn't have the same defense in front of him, but he's got run support. And he should be better. To yeah. like To both, I will say the defense has been worse, but also Demko should be better than he is. And both those things going wrong at the same time has made it so things have gone really poorly. Uh, we have an unsigned text here. Don't ever compare Demko to Wilson again. Wilson has never finished top five in adjusted numbers. Dom, you idiot. <laughs> Is that the that's a person? That's an unsigned him. text. Sign uh, your text, you coward. Sign it. <laughs> sign your text. Call me an you idiot. Um, yeah. I get your comparison <laughs> this year, but I was it, to be fair, Wilson hasn't has not showed what Demko has showed in a season. Um, I wanted to get to this before we hit the break. Danny Kelly is going to join us on the other side from the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Um, going to talk fantasy. After that, we'll also talk a bit of football. Thursday, or it's Thanksgiving, so three ga- in the States tomorrow, so three games on the slate. We'll talk a bit about that. Um, I also wanted to mention this. So Buffalo, the Sabres, are bringing back their goat head jerseys. The black and red The black and red one, not Not the reverse reverse retro. retro. So the ones they actually wore in the mid-2000s. The Hashik era. Yeah. I don't like them at all. And Mike, what? We very much differ on this. I think the mid-2000s jerseys are awesome. They're fantastic. Ben has definitely been a guy, we've talked about this, where he's like, just bring them all back. Every mid-2000s jersey, bring them back. They're great. Do you like the Pistons horse head jersey? Yeah, awesome. Okay, then no. And like I want the Grizzlies agree. to always wear the teal ones, the Canucks to go back. The okay, the Grizzlies teal ones are objectively really good though. Right. But I will say, text in six fifty, six fifty, Dunbar Lumber Text Line. This is one of those jerseys that everyone likes or hates. That yeah, or that too, but I just don't understand. Like I've never liked them. So text in six fifty, six fifty. Is there a consensus jersey that most people like that you dislike? You know how people like this jersey? Why is that? Dominic Ashick. Yeah. Box. <laughs> we got a text in. 100%, right? You know why I like the piston head jersey? Grant Hill was awesome. Exactly. I think I, I think that's why people love the skate jersey too. It's because, because it's like 94. Mo- Beret. Yeah. Yeah. I that's another thing. I do not like the skate jersey. I think it's fine. It's a good well, alternate. You were a glimmer in your father's eye when the Canucks went to <laughs> yeah. them there in 94. We, we weren't alive. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We Which weren't is, alive. But still, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, text in 650-650. We get a text. The Buffalo head jerseys are Zach Wilson. 
That's a better analogy. The Buffalo Head jerseys are Zach Wilson. Depends what side of the uh, ledger you fall. Can I uh, send out a quick reminder to all the People Show listeners sure. before we go to break? Uh, Sportsnet 650 is partnered with Match Ritty and Public House for Sportsnet 650 Sunday at Cascades Casino in Delta. Join Bick, Randeep, and the 650 squad on Sunday, December 4th from 1 to 5 p.m. For all your marquee matchups, Match Eatery and Public House offers the social traditions of a neighborhood pub with the high energy of a sports bar. Stop by for a chance to win a smart speaker, some 650 swag. You can uh, chat up Randeep and Bick, talk trash about their fantasy teams. Plus, we'll have a pair of Canucks tickets and a pair of tickets to give away for the Seahawks game on December 11th. They're playing the Carolina Panthers that day, so it's a guaranteed win, well, obviously. Well, you say that now. Uh, Match Eatering Public House is located near the new Cascades Casino next to the Massey Tunnel. Sam Darnold coming back this week. We'll talk about that and more with Danny Kelly on the other side. This is The People Show. Josh Elliott, Wolf, Dominic Schermatti filling in for Big Nazar on Sportsnet 650. It's the People Show. I'm Josh Elliott Wolf alongside Dominic Schermatti, Bick Nazar. Not out for the day. He will be on in half an hour with Dan Riccio on Canucks Central. Satyar Shah is away today. A bit under the weather on the, what do you call it, the PUP list? The PUP list? Physically unable to perform. Yes. PUP list. That is, that is Satyar Shah today. So he is, uh, he's out. Bick will be with Dan. And they will lead you up to puck drop for the Canucks and Avalanche tonight. That goes at 7 o'clock. You can hear the call right here on Sportsnet 650. With Batch and Randeep. Batch and Randeep on the call. Uh, joining us in a few moments, Danny Kelly of the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. We're going to talk about all of your fantasy questions. If you have anything, text them in 650-650. Dunbar Lumber text line. Already see a couple and then we have some questions of our own as well. Thanksgiving in the States tomorrow. So three games on the schedule, including the Lions, so they always play. Um, the Vikings and Patriots. What's the midday game? The midday game is. Really? Am I for, is it like a big one and I'm missing it? What games have you said? Hold on. No, look at your phone. No, hey, I'm looking what games my- have you said? <laughs> I said the Lions. I forget who they're playing. The Bills. They're playing the bill. Yeah. Yes, I knew that. I knew that. Okay. What's the other one you said? The Vikings and Patriots. Okay. I, the midday, whatever the other one is. What's the other one? I don't know. Come on, man. What is it? You'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Anyway, let's welcome in Danny Kelly. Why didn't you just tell me? Danny Kelly. It's uh, Giants-Cowboys. Oh, ooh, exciting. That's huge. Yeah, that's a big one. I'm sorry. Uh, Danny Kelly, the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Thanks, Danny. How's it going? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? We are doing good. Dom's just teasing me because i don't i forgot what games were going on tomorrow like a fool um but yeah there's there's three games tomorrow in the nfl from a fantasy perspective does that like impact your roster decisions at all going into the weekend or is it just kind of status quo uh not really i mean i think obviously as you do with any like thursday night games make sure you have those starters in your not not in your flex basically have them in your starting lineup instead of your flex spots. That way you can have more flexibility. If uh, guys end up getting hurt later in the week or not playing, that gives you more flexibility. But yeah, no, other than that, I think it's pretty much a normal week. Um, some good matchups though, this week I, on Thanksgiving. Usually I feel like 
the Thanksgiving matchups are pretty boring, but this year could be good. Danny, Ezekiel Elliott comes back after a couple weeks off and scores two touchdowns. He's in a, a share with Tony Pollard. Heading into Thanksgiving, are you trusting that both of them uh, in your in your, um, in your your fantasy lineups, are, are they bona fide RB2s, both of them? Yeah, I think so. You know, I think um, they're still probably going to continue to give Ezekiel Elliott looks, especially – like in the red zone, especially near the goal line, which is obviously helpful for, for Zeke because he's just not as efficient. He's not nearly as efficient, not nearly as explosive as Pollard. And I do believe that going forward, they're going to kind of like even out the touches a little bit more. They've just seen what Pollard can do. I mean, I think everybody kind of knew what Pollard can do, but for whatever reason, they've been resistant to giving him more touches. And um, I just don't really know how they could go back to like making him a secondary player. He's one of the best offensive players on their team. Like he's maybe one of the best offensive players in the NFL. So um, yeah, I, I do trust. I'm sticking Pollard in my off in, in my lineups this week. I'm feeling pretty confident about it. Um, in fact, he's actually a top ten running back in PPR this year, which is kind of surprising considering he's been like a part time player. Um, so I would definitely think you know even if he does kind of get scaled back a little bit in touches, his, his explosiveness, his efficiency, his ability in the passing game, you know, especially in half PPR and PPR leagues, he's going to still be definitely worth starting. Plus, he has that upside to explode. Um, and then with Zeke, yeah, like I think he's he's low efficiency. He's probably not going to get as many touches as he was in the past. But they use him around a goal line, so you can kind of hope to get a touchdown or two out of him. As a staunch Jets fan, I'm pretty happy that uh, Robert Sala benched Zach Wilson after what <laughs> yeah. happened last week and the comments that were made. But what does that mean for the passing options? Who gets the biggest boost here? Uh, everybody. Um, you know, <laughs> well, <obviously, yeah>. Zach. <laughs> Zach Wilson, man, he is just—he was just so bad. He, I mean. I do think, like, you know, the, the there was a lot made of the post-game comments where he basically said no, he, he didn't feel like the offense let the defense down. I mean, I think that was probably him just not really understanding the situation, the context, and the question, how important it was. I think he, um, you know, clearly the offense let the defense down. I think he was just trying not to basically, like, you know, get too down on anything. But um, really, I think his play was what got him benched. Um, and I think that this the locker room situation where, you know, basically it seems like the locker room is a little bit pissed at him right now. I think that's probably been brewing for a long time. And it's because he can't get the ball to his open players. He cannot pass the ball. He's just been so bad. And so, I mean, we get Mike White in here. I think that's obviously really good for Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore. I think Elijah Moore becomes like a flex option, um, you know, after being pretty irrelevant for most of the season. I think, you know, assuming he's going to be in there and playing, I think he is going to be in there playing, especially in the slot. I think he has a chance to get back to, you know, not necessarily what we thought he was going to be this year, but get get some targets and get some opportunities in this offense. So, yeah, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore. And then, importantly, I think Michael Carter is going to have – the running back Michael Carter is going to have a lot of uh, opportunities in the passing game. Just if you go back to when Mike White was starting last year, he was just dumping it off at, I think, like a literally a league-high rate. Um, just basically hitting his back foot. If he doesn't have his first read, he's dumping it off to the running back, live to see another down, kind of like – keep things going in the right direction. And so um, that was very much his style, and I expect that probably will continue. So Michael Carter, I think, gets a big bump this week too. There's a couple uh, rookie receivers I wanted to talk about. So uh, I'll start with Traylon Burks. Last week mm-hmm. kind of seemed like a, a coming out party a little bit, or at least I hope. Do you think that's that's a yeah. sign of what's to come, or is it maybe just a, a one-off week? I do think it's a sign of what's to come, but at the same time, it's, he's a volatile 
he's going to be a volatile option just because, you know, the way that the Titans want to play offense, number one, is they're very run heavy. Everything goes through um, Derrick Henry. You know, that is going to be the engine of their offense. That's how they go. That's what they're going to do week in and week out. Even if they're behind, they're still going to give him a ton of carries. Um, so I think that's something that you can count on. So, you know, in a lower volume passing environment, there's just going to be a smaller pie to go around for all the receivers. Um, in addition to that, he only played about half of the snaps, half of the offensive snaps last week. So they're still working him in. I do think he's going to start to, uh, like, get a higher snap count, get more opportunities, um, you know, be on the field more consistently. Uh, and every time he's on the field, he's, gener- he's he's earning targets. So that is – both of these things are very good signs. But um, I would say he's probably – you can – you can definitely plug him into your lineup as like a flex option and hope he hits his ceiling. But at the same time, you know, he's got a lot of, he's got a wide range of options of, of outcomes just because, you know, he's in a low volume passing environment and he hasn't been playing a full, you know, he hasn't been playing all the time. He's only playing about 50% of the snaps right now. So if that goes up, that's good. But um, for now, I, I, I expect him to continue to expand his role. Um, but I bet his, his points totals kind of very week in week out. And you might have some low ones too. The other one I wanted to touch on is uh, Jamison Williams with the Lions, who seems like he should be coming back soon. Uh, hasn't played mm-hmm. yet this season, was obviously a high pick for them. Do you think he will be startable at all this year? Do you think maybe just ride it out and see see how he goes this season and maybe try to pick him up next year? That's a really good question. I mean, I think it's it depends on your team, of course. It depends on your league. If you have a really deep bench, definitely go pick him up and kind of like wait it out and see what happens. Um, if you're riding with a really like small bench in your league, you got, like only have a couple players on your bench. I, I don't think it's probably worthwhile at this point. Um, mostly because I just don't have a ton of faith in Jared Goff. Um, I do think Jamison Williams is going to be a star in the league. I think he's really good. He's a really fast, explosive player. There's a lot of people that thought he was the best receiver in this class, um, which is saying a lot because we've seen guys have a lot of success already. Um, but like stylistically, I think you could probably compare him a little bit to Chris Olave. You know, he's a, he's a deep threat who can also do a lot of things after the cat. Like he's, he's good, short, intermediate and deep. And so um, I'm very excited about his future, but that said, it doesn't really seem clear when he's going to come back. And when he does come back, you know, I don't think it's fit with Jared Goff. It's all that great. I, I don't think that the lions see Jared Goff as long-term, you know, quarterback for them necessarily. So I, I'm, I'm bullish on their long-term prospects, but again, like, you know, they just don't push the ball downfield enough for me to be really too confident about it. And that's why I think I'm on Ross. So, you know, he's hoovering up so many targets because, you know, Jared Goff is, is looking in the short and intermediate area more often than looking deep. Danny Kelly of the Ringer Fantasy Football Show joining us here on The People Show. Josh Hilly Wolf, myself, Dominic Schermatti. Uh, the struggles for the Denver Broncos offense, well noted throughout the first half of the season. But now that we're heading into really crunch time in fantasy football and heading into the playoffs, I'm looking at the Broncos' schedule coming up, and they're due to play some vulnerable pass defenses. Are you buying um, Broncos' <laughs> wide receivers heading into the most important part of the fantasy season? So I don't know if I would necessarily be, like, trading for them. You know, I, I think Sutton is probably the most consistent option they're going to have, and he's been a little bit hit or miss this year. I think Judy, you know, especially coming off of this ankle injury, which we didn't really get a lot of details about, um, is going to be another guy that's super volatile. Like one week he could have, you know, 100-plus yards. The next week he might have two targets. It's just going, that kind of thing with this offense. And they've been very low volume um, just because they haven't been able to move the chains and everything. But I think you make a great point. Like they definitely have, you know, a couple of easier, like, defenses coming up that maybe they could get Russell Wilson going a little bit. 
Um, you know, they did make the change to Clint Kubiak as their offense coordinator. Maybe that can spark a little bit here with this offense. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think – I'm not necessarily expecting like a miracle turnaround here from the Broncos. I think they're just kind of like, you know, they just have a lot of issues on offense. And it starts with Russell Wilson just has not been playing well. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, def- I wouldn't like recommend trading for one of these guys, but I am comfortable starting Sutton. When Judy gets back, I'm comfortable starting him. But you just have to kind of expect that there's going to be some variability here. There's going to be some variance with these guys just because of this offense and the way that it works and, you know, what they want to be. It's just not conducive to a lot of numbers. They're literally, I think, the worst scoring team in the NFL right now. So with the with the trade deadline, are there any players that you're keeping an eye on that you really like the look of their schedule or like vice versa that players you want to avoid because of their playoff schedule? Ooh, that is a good question. Um, I can't really, off the top of my head, I don't have to like dig into that um, in terms of like playoff schedules, but you definitely want to look 14, 15, and 16. Uh, players that have, you know, like, I'm thinking of like running backs, like players that have to face the Titans, um, players that have to face like the 49ers, some of these teams like really good defenses. Um, you know, that's the team, that's the type of team I would probably, or player I would probably, you know, avoid. I don't have anything off the top of my head at the moment, but, um, you know, I think generally speaking, like it is time to start looking forward to the playoffs, 14, 15, and 16 weeks, um, and, and trying to figure out like if your guy has a couple of really, really like, tough opponents that's the type of guy you might want to look in and trade trade away at this point a guy i really want to trust in during fantasy playoffs is lamar jackson i have him in two of my leagues oh yeah it's one of those things where he can put up a week where he has like 40 fantasy points and you're on top of the world and you're thinking this is great and then the (laughs) next week he puts up 10 or 15 and it's not the production you're used to or need when you have lamar jackson on your team should i be worried about lamar jackson yeah, I, I've been talking about this the last couple of weeks, too. I, I've just been really kind of worried about what's going on. I, he was a buy low, you know, option for me, I would say, like two or three weeks ago. Um, and then he came out against the Panthers, and this offense uh, was just really, really flat last week. It just didn't look good. The passing game has really, really struggled to get going. They don't have much talent in the passing game. They traded away Marquise Brown. Um, you know, they've got some injuries there that, like, guys haven't really stepped up. Bateman hasn't really been what they wanted to be wanted him to be, and then he got hurt. So really, like the offense, the the passing game runs through you know Mark Andrews, and that's just about it right now. Like they got Demarcus Robinson off of like waivers, I think, and he's been like their top guy. Um, the other thing that kind of like worries me too is just the way that their offense is run. Like it doesn't really, it's not conducive to passing. They have um, a fullback on the field like 80 percent of the time, and, and that basically like eliminates him from being an option downfield, which just makes it easier on the defense. So there's some system uh, systemic stuff that's actually kind of like worrisome for me. Um, but at the end of the day, you know we've seen what Lamar Jackson can do. The big thing is he can run like, and he can really go. And, and um, you know he has like those 100, 150 yard games in him. He still hasn't really scored that many touchdowns on the ground, so maybe he could start regressing in that uh, positive regressive progressing in that area and, and scoring a few more touchdowns on the ground. Um, I'm holding out hope. I, I definitely think he's certainly talented enough. And like, you know, the, the ground game thing is going to be the big part of it. So if he starts running more, um, maybe that will help open things up a little bit for their offense. Maybe they'll help open things up for the passing game a little bit. Um, but we need to see it this week. I think this is like kind of the litmus test this week against the Jags who um, frankly haven't been very good against quarterbacks in fantasy. Um, they've given up a lot of yards passing. 
they've given up a lot of touchdowns. And so hopefully he can take advantage of that matchup this week because going forward, they got the Broncos the week after. So that's, that's a really, really tough matchup um, defensively. So, um, yeah, I think this is the week we've got to see it. And if, if, if he can't do anything this week and he has like another you know 10 or 15-point game, uh, I'm going to start worrying a little bit. He is Danny Kelly of the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Thanks for this, Danny. Enjoy uh, tomorrow's slate of games. All right, you guys too. Thank you. Uh, Danny Kelly, the Fantasy Football Update is brought to you by Clayton Public House. Pre-game to post-game, the Clayton Public House is your home of football. Catch all the action on 15 screens and two giant projectors, the Clayton Pub. Dot com. Dom, you have an update on the, the Fantasy Football League? My side show? of the People Show Fantasy Football League is jam-packed in the playoffs. Dan from Van leading the way at 9-2. and two. Dan from Van has been a juggernaut in the Fantasy Football League this year for the People Show. But here's the thing. From 2 to 5, all of us are 7-4. and four. Wow. And six teams make the playoffs. I'm one of them, obviously. Uh, Cheeseburger Crew, Mo Froze, and Jordan and Langley all at 7-4. and All the Denver Broncos uh, uh, rounding out the playoffs in the sixth spot. And Randy Janda, the Vincibles, is uh, five and six. He's an eighth spot. Um, But here's the thing. All the points for are within like 75 points of each other. So it's very tight in this side of the league. I'm not sure about Bix League. But yeah, Dan Favan looking like uh, the clear... An obvious favorite right now in the People Show Fantasy Football League. Bick is having a really rough year, wasn't he? In, yeah, in that league. Yeah, he is. He's uh, he's running rough shot on the six fifty. He league, really though. is. He is a uh, good thing. There's nothing on the line there. Um, by the way, since we're talking about that, is it hard for you to be invested into a fantasy football league if there's no money on the line? Because I'm finding that to be the case. I I didn't think it would be. But I'm like right on the playoff bubble. I should be really invested. And I'm just like, ah, I, I picked up a guy. Also, our waivers, like we just have too many players and on, on roster. So it's hard to like find guys. It's a barren desert. Yeah, it's tough out there. It is a tough look. Yeah. We might might have to revise it next year. Um, Time for people's picks. Yeah. Right? Ben? All right. It is time for the people's picks. Brought to you by Play Now Sports. Every game will feel like the big game when you bet with Play Now Sports. Brought to you by BCLC. Uh, Dom, you you have a couple lines that you're looking at, or one line. One line in particular. I'm going with the happiness hedge here in uh, this Thanksgiving weekend down in the States. I am a giant New York Jets fan. Everybody knows that. I didn't know that. Did you make an analogy about the Jets and Canucks? I did. Wow. Is that why? Uh, No Zach Wilson, which is actually an upgrade for the Jets, uh, according to many. But here's the thing. Mike White, not the greatest. Not the most elite quarterback. He's got spunk. And yet, Play Now Sports has the Jets minus six. Take the Bears. Plus six. Take Take the points. I know the Jets have an elite defense, but that's a line I think is interesting and can make a lot of people... Uh, money. I, w- I would definitely be interested in the Bears. Justin Fields has looked amazing. Yeah. And it's it, been really frustrating. I wonder it? what's going to happen to him this week as well. He's got the dislocated shoulder, apparent yeah. dislocated shoulder. So we'll yeah. see. I don't know. We will see. Maybe that's reflected that's in a lot line. of points, though, for the Jets. Um, I will. I'm looking at. So pre show, I was looking at the, the odds on playnow.com. Mm hmm. And I'm a Vikings fan. I feel like we both went very obvious and just picked the teams that that's we liked. Fine. And that's it's fine. It's our show. Uh, for today, uh, the Patriots and Vikings play tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, the Thursday nighter 
on Thanksgiving, pre-show, the Patriots were plus two and a half. Now they are plus one and a half. So the line moving a bit more in their favor. I am interested because, look, you could take them at plus one and a half. The Vikings play a lot of close games. It's 1.91. But I would take the money line for the Patriots. Get a little bit of juice on it. Not a lot. Take the money line for the Patriots. The Vikings are missing Christian Derrissaw tomorrow, who's one of the best offensive linemen in the NFL. Also, two of their corners are out. Patrick Peterson's still in, but Duke Shelley is going to be in on corner. That's not going to be good. Does Justin Jefferson still have turf toe? No, I he's hope fine. Not. He's fine. But Kirk might not. Uh, he might not have a lot of time to throw the ball, which is usually how yeah, Jefferson a, gets the that's ball. That's an elite defense. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough. Usually, usually, sometimes he he runs and then he just picks it up on the way. That happens. Uh, that's the people's picks <laughs> brought to you by Plano Sports. When you choose to bet on sports at playnow.com, you're playing on the only site whose profits go back to BC. Know your limit. Play within it. Um, we got a few minutes. Let's look at those games tomorrow. Everyone knows. What's the midday game? Everyone knows who's playing tomorrow. What's the midday game? <laughs> the Lions and the Bills in the morning, obviously. And then, as everyone knows, the Giants and the Cowboys. Hey. Um, and then the Patriots and the Vikings. So Lions and the Bills, just to, just to take a look at the line for that, Bills favored by nine and a half points. That's a lot of points for a, against the Lions team that just had a big win. They, they and they the score a lot. lot. Yeah, exactly. They score a lot. Who would have thought with Jared Goff, a quarterback? Well, when you have a good O-line, yeah. most okay quarterbacks just look a lot better. And that that's kind of happening with the Lions. I, I don't know. I don't think – I don't know if nine and a half points is, is – it's a lot. It's a lot, but like I, I do think the Bills are going to win pretty easily. But I, but I, I think Lions will keep it close. I think Lions cover. Yeah, I agree. Especially on Thanksgiving at home, they get up for that game. They really, it's their Super Bowl. <laughs> it is every year. Uh, and then Giants Cowboys. So this one's really interesting. The NFC East matchup, um, and it's it's in Dallas, correct? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it is in Dallas. So both teams seven and three. Um, neither of them are going to catch the Eagles, but it's it. They're still very strong. Yeah, I I don't know. I keep waiting for the Giants to just suck, and they haven't sucked exactly. Yet, which is which is weird. NFC's like interesting because you have it's so sneaky. It really is. You have the Seahawks who are weird good. And, yeah. like, no one saw them coming. The 49ers have just turned it on. The NFC least is now the NFC most yeah. out of nowhere. I will say, if, uh, if I was a team, and now the Niners are leading the division. And, but then, and then the South is just a heap of hot bad, garbage. Bad stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the Bucks will still turn it around. Um, you know what's going to happen, right? What's that? The Bucks are going to make the playoffs as a division winner. They're gonna host a game. They would be they'll as of, right now. They would be playing the Cowboys. Yeah, they'll probably play the Seahawks. Beat the Seahawks, and Brady will win his eighth Super Bowl. Just guy, he's got to win a few more games. He will. Though. He will. I, I don't. I don't think he'll play, so. He'll play the Eagles in the NFC Championship game. I do not think so. I I just don't see. Look, usually I I buy into Brady, and I'm like, hey, you know what? He's just gonna figure it out, and the team's gonna be good. I just don't. I don't see it this year. But that being said. As far as like NFC goes, I do think the Niners are a 
if there was a team I least wanted to play aside from the Eagles in the playoff picture right now, it would be the they just, Niners. It's so weird with the Niners, though. They're so, like, they they can be hot or cold. They just played a shorthanded Chargers team last week, and it was very close. Mm-hmm. But then I, they go to Mexico City and just run roughshaw over the Cardinals. Yeah. but And defense wins championships, though. And I, I really believe in their defense and... I, again, I I don't know if they'll go far in the playoffs. That's just the team I would least like to play. And then uh, Patriots and Vikings, that's definitely going to be a game that's going to be played Vikings tomorrow. Win, obviously. They, they are going to play that game tomorrow, and it will be on TV, I assume. Uh, this has been the People's Show with Josh Elliott. I don't want to talk about it. You think? It. This, is, this has been the People's Show, Josh Elliott Wolf and Dominic Schermatti filling in for Big Nazar, who's coming up next with Dan Riccio on Canucks Central, Kevin Woodley at 430, overrated, underrated, at five, that's up next right here on Sportsnet 650.